Welcome to the FCBC NYC podcast. We're so thankful that you decided to join us in this moment and in this season in your life. Our prayer is that this podcast will be a catalyst for conversion and transformation and that you will be inspired and renewed in such a tremendous way that your desire will be to be your best for God. Again, thank you for listening, and we're excited to see what is next in your life. We are an ever-evolving community of visionaries, dreamers, and doers who have been called by God to live the lives we were created to live, commanded by God to love beyond the limits of our prejudices, and commissioned by God to serve, called to live commanded to love, commissioned to serve. And here at FCVC, we live, we love, and we serve. Amen, amen, amen. And there is a reading on this morning that I would like to share with you, and it can be found uh, in the book of Acts. Uh, We'll be reading two different scriptures this morning. Uh, The first in Acts 54 through uh, Acts 7, 54 through 8, 3, and then Acts 9, 10 through 22. And so I'll give you an opportunity to get that in front of you, Acts 7, starting at verse 54, and then Acts 10, starting at, Acts 9, starting at verse 10. Amen. Amen. And Acts 7.54 reads in this way, and I'm going to read it first in the New Revised Standard Version, and then we'll read this again in the Message Bible. And it reads, when they heard these things, they became enraged and ground their teeth at Stephen. But filled with the Holy Spirit, he gazed into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. Look, he said, I see the heavens opened and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. But they covered their ears and with a loud shout all rushed together against him. Then they dragged him out of the city and began to stone him. And the witnesses laid their coats at the feet of a young man named Saul. While they were stoning Stephen, he prayed, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Then he knelt down and cried out in a loud voice, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. When he said this, he died. That day, a severe persecution began against the church in Jerusalem, and all except the apostles were scattered throughout the countryside of Judea and Samaria. Devout men buried Stephen and made loud lamentation over him, but Saul, somebody say Saul, was ravaging the church by entering house after house, dragging off both men and women, He committed them to prison. 
Amen. And then if you'll shift with me to Acts 9, and we'll start reading at the 10th verse. Now there was a disciple in Damascus named Ananias. The Lord said to him in a vision, Ananias. He answered, here I am, Lord. The Lord said to him, get up and go to the street called Straight, and at the house of Judas, look for a man of Tarsus named Saul. At this moment, he is praying, and he has seen in a vision a man named Ananias come in and lay his hands on him so that he might regain his sight. But Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard from many about this man, how much evil he has done to your saints in Jerusalem. And here he has authority from the chief priests to bind all who invoke your name. But the Lord said to him, go, for he is an instrument whom I have chosen to bring my name before Gentiles and kings and before the people of Israel. I went and entered the house. He laid his hands on Saul. So Anna, sorry, so Ananias went and entered the house. He laid his hands on Saul and said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on your way here, has sent me so that you may regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And immediately, something like scales fell from his eyes and his sight was restored. Then he got up and was baptized. And after taking some food, he regained his strength. For several days, he was with the disciples in Damascus, and immediately he began to proclaim Jesus in the synagogues, saying he is the Son of God. All who heard him were amazed and said, is not this the man who made havoc in Jerusalem among those who invoked this name? And has he not come here for the purpose of bringing them bound before the chief priests? Saul became increasingly more powerful and confounded the Jews who lived in Damascus by proving that Jesus was the Messiah. I want to read those two scriptures in the Message Bible. And they read in this way. At that point, they went wild. A rioting mob of cat calls and whistles and invective. But Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, hardly noticed. He only had eyes for God, whom he saw in all his glory with Jesus standing at his side. He said, oh, I see heaven wide open and the Son of Man standing at God's side. Yelling and hissing, the mob drowned him out. Now in full stampede, they dragged him out of town and pelted him with rocks. The ringleaders took off their coats and asked a young man named Saul to watch them. As the rocks rained down, Stephen prayed, Master Jesus, take my life. 
Then he knelt down, praying loud enough for everyone to hear, Master, don't blame them for this sin. His last words, then he died. Saul was right there, congratulating the killers. That set off a terrific persecution of the church in all Jerusalem. The believers were all scattered throughout Judea and Samaria, all that is but the apostles. Good and brave men buried Stephen, giving him a solemn funeral. Not many dry eyes that day. And Saul just went wild, devastating the church, entering house after house after house, dragging men and women off to jail. And then it reads, there was a disciple in Damascus by the name of Ananias. The master spoke to him in a vision, Ananias. Yes, master, he answered. Get up and go over to Straight Avenue. Ask at the house of Judas for a man from Tarsus. His name is Saul. He's there praying. He has just had a dream in which he saw a man named Ananias enter the house and lay hands on him so he could see again. Ananias protested. Master, you can't be serious. Everybody's talking about this man and the terrible things he's been doing. His reign of terror against your people in Jerusalem. And now he's shown up here with papers from the chief priests that give him license to do the same to us. But the master said, don't argue. Go. I have picked him as my personal representative to non-Jews and kings and Jews. And now I'm about to show him what he's in for, the hard suffering that goes with this job. So Ananias went and found the house, placed his hands on blind Saul and said, Brother Saul, the master sent me the same Jesus you saw on your way here. Sent me so you could see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. No sooner were the words out of his mouth than something like scales fell from Saul's eyes. He could see again. He got to his feet, was baptized, and sat down with them to a hearty meal. Saul spent, Saul spent a few days getting acquainted with the Damascus disciples, but then went right to work, wasting no time, preaching in the meeting places that this Jesus was the Son of God. They were caught off guard by this and not at all sure they could trust him. They kept saying, isn't this the man who wreaked havoc in Jerusalem? among the believers? And didn't he come here to do the same thing? Arrest us and drag us off to jail in Jerusalem for sentencing by the high priests? But their suspicions didn't slow Saul down even for a minute. His momentum was up now and he plowed straight into the opposition, disarming the Damascus Jews and trying to show them that this Jesus was the Messiah. Let's pray. Thank you, God. Mm, hallelujah, Lord. 
Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah, God. God, we love you. And we bless your name. And we approach this moment of prayer with gratitude. So much gratitude. God, we're so thankful for your love and your presence in our lives. We thank you for the sharing in this sacred moment. For the scriptures that help us experience you and ourselves that allow us to see ourselves in new and exciting ways. God, we are grateful for this moment where we can worship and fellowship as one body. Because just as Jesus told the woman at the well, where you worship isn't important as how you worship. And so we come here, God, to worship you in spirit and in truth. Shine on us. Shine on us. Allow your glory to fall on us. That we might continue to be bold in our witness and authentic in our experience of your love and your mercy and your grace toward us. And God, help us now with that same mercy and grace that we've received from you to extend it to others that we replace judgment with mercy, that we replace attitude with grace. Help us, oh God, that we might be a reflection of how much you love us. God, allow me to stand behind the cross for this time that your children hear you more than they see me. And we give you the honor and we give you the glory and we give you the praise for it all belongs to you. Hallelujah, we are grateful. Hallelujah, we are grateful. Hallelujah, we are grateful for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. And we say together, amen, amen, and amen. Amen, amen, amen. I want to talk this morning um, for this short time that we have together about the gift of the shift. Amen. The gift of the shift. I, like many of you, grew up hearing the phrase that when people show you who they are, believe them. And initially, I had some resistance to this, but I have had to learn the hard way every time I try to re-engage with someone who was not worthy of the engagement level that I was trying to give them, it generally came back with a tear, with some hurt, with some pain, with some restlessness, with some sleepless nights. And then I would beat myself up and say, why did I trust them again? And I could remember the voice of my mother, the voice of my grandmother, the voice of my aunts and so many elders that when people show you who they are, believe them. Because when you don't and you project upon them what you want them to be or how you want them to respond, you are deceiving yourself because clearly they know who they are. And so sometimes we've engaged in the act of self-deception trying to pretend that the lie was the truth and the truth was the lie. 
We found ourselves rehearsing and going back into relationships, dealing with people and getting hurt time after time after time. And so I've come to believe that, right? It is proven true that when people show you who they are, believe them. This is where we enter this text with Ananias, where God is saying to him that he wants him to go and lay hands on a man by the name of Saul of Tarsus. We would expect that Ananias would be ready to go and say yes to God's call, but that's not how it always happens. Some of us are praying for a God assignment, but we don't recognize that sometimes that God assignment will cause us to go back and reevaluate the things that we treasured the most. And here Ananias is in conversation with God and God is saying to him, listen, I need for you to go and lay hands on this Saul of Tarsus. Ananias protests. He said, listen, God, I, I don't know um, if you've been paying attention, but this Saul that you want me to go and lay hands on, he has been persecuting the church in Jerusalem. Have you not heard about all of the things that he's done, even going back to the stoning of Stephen? There Stephen was, minding his own business, being called as one of the first deacons to serve the people and make sure that the widows and the orphans were taken care of. He's going out, but he didn't just stop with taking care of the widows and orphans. He began to teach and preach to the extent that wonders were done at his command. So much so that the community was in an uproar about him. They took him to prison, basically falsely accused him, and then began to stone him. Only after he had preached one of the greatest sermons that we see recorded in scripture, reminding these people of who they were, reminding them of what they had done, not only to Jesus, but to other prophets. Folks were so mad at him. They didn't even want to hear what he had to say, especially when he said, and now I can see Jesus standing at the right hand of God. They didn't want to hear that. They didn't even believe in the power of the resurrection. And so they closed their ears. They picked up rocks and began to stone him. And you would think that that is all the story was about. But the writer of this book inserts there that they laid their feet, they laid their coats at the feet of Saul. That's our first introduction to him, that he was the one who said, you know what, leave your coat here, I'll watch it. You go ahead and stone Stephen, I will guard your belongings while you do the stoning. This is our first introduction of him. And while Stephen was giving glory to God and willing to become the first Christian martyr, Paul was watching the coats, holding the coats of those who held the stones that stoned Stephen. And the text then said that Paul approved of their stoning him. And now here is God saying to Ananias, I want you to go and lay hands on Saul the man who held the coats of those who stoned Stephen. I want you to go lay hands on Saul, the man who persecuted the church, going from house to house, from meeting space to meeting space, persecuting, dragging them off, putting them in prison, both men and women. And now God is saying, I want you to be the one to go lay hands on him. Wow. What a God assignment. How would you feel? If you got an assignment like that, if you were the one that God wanted to use to shift someone else's life, 
if you were the one that God had chosen to make impact in a way that the kingdom could be built in a way that has never been built before. I imagine that some of us, like Ananias, would be hesitant, not understanding why God would call us to such an assignment, not understanding why there's a need for us to be even in the same place as someone who would persecute, someone who would set up, someone who would imprison, someone who would approve of a stoning of a man. And yet, that's exactly what God did. Because God doesn't look at our actions as much as God looks at our heart. God doesn't look at our past as much as God looks at our possibilities. And I don't know about you, but I'm grateful that God didn't see me in my worst moment and leave me there. But I'm grateful that we serve a God who even after our worst mistake can still use us, even after our work mistake can still call us, even after our worst mistake still wants to use us, to be in relationship with us, to see the best in us. And so I don't know who here is watching and has made their worst mistake and is thinking that God can't do anything with you. I came here to tell you today that if God can do it for Paul, God can do it for each of us. We just have to be willing to recognize the gift in the shift. And so this call of Paul didn't come easy. It wasn't that call came running to the Lord and laid his life down and gave his life to God. That's not how it happened. It wasn't that Paul recognized that what he did was wrong and, and shifted and wanted to do something different. That's not how it happened. God intervened in Paul Saul's life and shifted everything. And I want to just take a moment to talk about this Saul-Paul shift because I've heard preachers say that, you know, before he was called, he was Saul. But after he was called, he got a name change and God named him Paul. And that sounds like good preaching. Because we've heard of the name changes in the past from Abram to Abraham, from Sarai to Sarah, uh, from Jacob to Israel. But that's not what happened here. Saul is actually his birth name. He's born from the tribe of Benjamin, the same tribe that King Saul came from. So likely he was named with the thought of King Saul in mind. But that is how his name is viewed from the Hebrew perspective. Um, like many of us, we recognize that when we go to other countries, our name may be viewed or pronounced or seen differently. Um, Michael, uh, when you go to Mexico, becomes Miguel. Right, Lakeisha, when you go to Mexico, becomes Lolita. And so we recognize that in different languages and different cultures, our names may be changed. And that's what's happened here. Saul is Hebrew. Paul is Greek. And we recognize him being called Paul because now he's going into the non-Jewish community, primarily a Greek community, where his name would be pronounced Saul rather than Paul. So while we would like to think that he went under this name change and it's good preaching and it's good shouting and God can change your name and change your life and change your position and change your destination, the reality is in the Jewish community, he was called Saul. And in the non-Jewish community, he was called Paul. And so here we have this Paul, Saul figure, not who recognizes what he's done wrong and, and wants to, to, to make amends for all that he's done against the church, but he has just gone and gotten permission 
now to move into Damascus. He's already caused havoc in Jerusalem, but now he has letters giving him permission to now go to Damascus and arrest those who are in Damascus. He has an encounter with Jesus on the Damascus road where Jesus calls him and says, I want you to now be an ambassador for me. Um, And in Paul's unwillingness, surprise, whatever his response was, he was blinded. His eyesight was taken away. And for three days, he could not see physically with his eyes. But even though he couldn't see physically with his eyes, he was able to see a vision in his mind. And that vision was a man, Ananias, coming to lay hands on him. Clearly, it was a vision that God allowed him to see in preparation for the shift. And sometimes I wish we could just close our eyes in the physical and imagine what God has for us in the spiritual. Sometimes I wish we could just close our eyes to what we think we know and open our spirits to all of the possibilities that await for us outside of God when we recognize that we don't have all the answers that we are still learning, we are still growing, we are still evolving. Our world is changing every day. What we thought we knew 10 years ago is something different on today. And so our capacity to hold loosely the things that we know is, is very important if we expect to experience a shift in God. Shifts don't come when we hold on to what we think we know, when we hold on to who we think we are. Shifts only happen when we're open to the spirit of God and what God might be doing in us and through us and with us in this moment. Are you available for a shift or do you need to be knocked down and blinded? Are you available for the move of God? Or does God's hand have to come and touch you directly? Are you ready to go to the next level of love, to the next level of joy, to the next level of peace, to the next level of forgiveness, to the next level of grace? Or do you have to be beat over the head in order to do so? Some of us have learned enough. We've experienced enough. We've grown enough to recognize That old knowledge sometimes needs to be shifted, needs to be sifted so we can see what's really left and what's really appropriate for us in this moment. Loving beyond the limits of our prejudice doesn't mean just loving the people that love us, but what does it look like to love somebody that has an opposing view? What does it look like to be in conversation with someone that doesn't believe what you believe, but you're willing to listen in order to experience a shift? This is what's happening in this text. There's a lot of shifting that's going on. Paul is shifting from being persecutor of the church to being the primary preacher and writer of two-thirds of the Bible. Ananias is shifting from trusting what he knows about Saul to trusting what God knows about him. Shifting the focus to not what God wants him to do for Saul, but shifting the focus to the fact that God wants him to do something. Are you available for that kind of shift, for the possibility of doing something you've never done in a way that's never been done with persons or people who you've never done things with? Are you open for new communities and new opportunities and new conversations? Are you open for God to show you where you may not quite have it all together. Particularly when you do, Paul was convinced that he was doing the right thing by persecuting the church and only after an encounter with Jesus did he realize that he needed to do the exact opposite. 
I'm so grateful for Ananias, who in this shifting recognized that it is better to be obedient to what God is calling you to do rather than to rely on your own wisdom, on your own knowledge, on your own understanding. Because Ananias trusted God, we're talking about him today. He reminds us that change is possible, shift is possible, acceptance is possible, forgiveness is possible. People can change. We can change. We don't have to continue being who we were yesterday. We can involve and become who God wants us to be today. But it means that we're going to have to see the gift in the shift. Sometimes it's hard for us to lean into the new because we're so comfortable in the old. We've been holding on to it for so long. We believe in it for so long that it seems like it's real. But the only real thing in this world is the love of God and how it expresses itself in community. The shift had to happen with Paul. He shifted from being a persecutor to being a preacher. The shift had to happen with Ananias. He shifted from not believing in the capacity of Paul and in himself to even be in Paul's presence to trusting that God was doing something new. I like it because God can use whoever God wants to use. See, we would see Paul and throw Paul away and say there's nothing good about Paul. But the God that we serve looks beyond the face, looks beyond the physical into the heart and recognize and said, I chose Paul to be used for my glory. Aren't we glad that we have a God that can choose us in spite of us, choose us because of us, choose us because God sees something in us that sometimes we can't even see in ourselves. And that is the capacity to grow and shift and change. God chooses whom God uses. Are you available to be used by God? Are you willing to see the gift in the shift? Sometimes it means talking less and listening more. And we would think that if we, if we really want to be heard, we've got to make sure our voices are loud. But sometimes it's in the listening that we're giving the greatest gift of capacity by expanding our minds and our understanding. Sometimes when we're so ready to respond to what somebody is saying, we've been listening to them and we're ready to come back at them. It's combative. We want to get our point across. But instead of doing that, we can say, can you, can you talk a little more about that? I was listening to a guru this week that said that, and it was so powerful to me that instead of feeling that our voice has to be the dominant voice, that instead of feeling like we've got to win, that we just sit back and allow the spirit to move in a way that both of us can be heard and seen and respected. I, I appreciate that God called Saul after he got his papers, he had done enough in Jerusalem and now he was ready to go and terrorize those in Damascus. And on his way, God shifted. He was blind. And then Ananias was shifted and going to lay hands on him. And in laying hands on him, Saul then began to preach and teach such that people all over were saying, isn't this the man? who used to persecute the Jews in Jerusalem? Isn't this a man who was a persecutor of the church? 
We look at this and we, I would say, why can't they just let it go and, and let him move into who God has called him to be? But sometimes it's good to be reminded of where God has brought us from. Sometimes it's, remind, it's good to be reminded of what we used to do, of where we used to go, of the person we used to be. And you know what? Thank you for reminding me of who I'm not anymore. Thank you for reminding me of what God has brought me to. Thank you for reminding me of my worst mistake because it lets me know that I got past it and I got over it. I'm stronger for it. Thank you for reminding me of who I used to be when you knew me back then because that lets me know that I am stronger now. I'm wiser now. I'm better now thank you for the reminder. Don't get mad at people when they try to remind you of where you come from. It's a testimony to the goodness of God. It's a testimony to your own strength when you're able to see yourself now and in the future, for you truly are royalty. Uh, and not only did Paul make a shift? Not only did Ananias make a shift, but we also see the disciples in Damascus also make a shift because they, like Ananias, knew who Saul was, but they were willing to welcome him. They were willing to eat with him. They were willing to listen to him. They were willing to see what God was doing in him now. And maybe there's somebody in your life who you're used to seeing in a particular way. And God is doing something with them now. Can you see the gift in that shift and be open to who's in front of you as opposed to who was behind you? Are you willing to understand that we have all come through the worst pandemic of our lives and that we might be different on the other side of this? that there may be some grace and mercy that worked on the inside to create something new on the outside? Are you willing to lay aside the preconceived notions about who you thought somebody was and even the preconceived notions of who you thought you were with the expectation that God can always do more? What does it look like when we're willing to shift. For Paul, he went from being a persecutor of the church to being a preacher and a prophet and a writer. For Ananias, he went from being afraid to leave and go even to see Paul to going and laying hands on him. And when he laid hands, Paul was healed of his blindness. The scales fell off. He was restored and filled with the Holy Spirit. The disciples in Damascus were willing to shift, and they saw the evolution of Paul, the evolution of Saul, this evolution that changed their world back then. What are you willing to shift in order to receive? What are you willing to get up, give up in order to receive? What are you willing to let go of in order to receive what God may want to do with you and in you and through you in this season. There is a gift in the shift, but shifting does come at a cost. You've got to be willing to give up what you thought you knew. You've got to be willing to let go of all of those things you were so sure of. You've got to be willing to give yourself another opportunity to grow, to see things differently. Yes, 
the shifting comes at a cost. The old you for the now you. Ooh, I like that. The old you from the now you. Who are you right now? It may not be new. It's just now. What are you willing to let go of? What are you willing to allow to be released from you? What feelings might you be harboring that need to be released? There is a cleansing that comes in a shifting that allows us to be freed from the things that have kept us bound for so long, that anger, that judgment, that resentment, that rejection, those things can be washed away so that we can be open and receptive to what God is doing right now. Maybe you are Saul in the sense of you've been hurting a lot of people for a long time. Oh, my God. But there's a possibility in the shift. We know that all things are possible through God who, who trusts us, who believes in us. And as we believe in that God, that God believes in us and gives us power. And in that power can do exceedingly and abundantly above all that we can ask or think if we're willing to shift. Maybe you're Ananias and you know of someone who's been doing a lot of hurting, who, who you are resistance to receiving. But God is saying, open your heart and allow your heart to see their heart. Maybe there's more there than you could have expected or imagined. The shifting is possible for all of us. And this is not the sermon where you go and say to someone who you know has been hurting somebody, my pastor said it's time for you to shift. No, sometimes the shifting happens even in our minds and how we look at that person. The shifting happens in our minds and how we view ourselves, that we are powerful, adaptable, unshakable, that we are the beloved of God, that God's spirit rests on us, that in us God found favor, that we are the dawn and the dark, that we are the embodiment of infinite possibilities. Those possibilities are possible when we're willing to shift. Come on, let's pray. Hallelujah. 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 God, we thank you. We thank you this morning for the gift of the shift. Thank you, God, that we don't have to stay the same. Thank you, God, that transition is at work in us even right now. Thank you, God, that we are revolutionaries. Even as we are survivors and thrivers, that there is a revolutionary love that's just waiting for us, a revolutionary joy, a revolutionary peace, a revolutionary grace, a revolutionary understanding waiting on us if we're willing to shift. God, help us to open our hands so that we can release the things that we've been holding on to for so long, things that are doing us no good those attitudes that are doing us no good, that understanding that's doing us no good, that judgment that's doing us no good. Help us, oh God, to open our hands that we might be receptive of the gifts of your spirit 
those gifts that help us grow in ourselves and in you, that help us manage our relationships with ourselves and you and others and help with the fulfillment of who you've called us to be. Help us, God, not sleep without giving birth to every gift you would have us to give birth to and recognize that sometime there's a shifting before the pushing. Hallelujah, God. We thank you right now, oh God, for changing our minds, for changing our hearts, for changing our understanding, and thank you for giving us the power to change our minds and change our hearts and change our understanding. Thank you, God, for the possibility of right now, this right now moment. Thank you, God. We love you, Lord. We thank you. We bless you. We honor you. And we lift this prayer in your name and in your power. In the name of Jesus. For thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory forever and ever. And we say together, amen. Amen. And amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you so much, beloved. Thank you for joining us today. And we pray that the Lord will continue to stand tall in you as you look for opportunities to shift, as you embrace opportunities to shift. And we pray that God would be with you as God is with us until we meet again on the other side where the sun neither rises nor sets because the sun is Jesus Christ, the light of the world. And it's in the Lord's name that we lift this prayer and say together, amen, amen, amen. God bless you. God keep you until we meet again. Amen. Thank you for listening to the FCBC NYC podcast. We hope that what you heard was informative and inspiring and in some way created a space for you to have a creative encounter with God. You can follow us on social media and on the internet at fcbcnyc.org. Please follow and also contribute If you've been blessed by what you heard, support us financially that we may continue to offer these podcasts. Thank you again, and we look forward to you tuning back in in the future.